Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Podcast Network, on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. As always, we got a great show today, breaking down the Laver Cup with uh, a guest on this week's episode, no stranger to the game, a journalist who's covered all of your favorite tournaments, like literally every single one of them in every role there is. She's hosted media rooms, conducted on-court interviews, written for many publications, including, of course, Tennis.com. And uh, former Rice College tennis player, South Florida native, Blair Henley. Welcome to the show. Thanks, bitch. Good to be here. I got to gotta catch my breath after that intro because there's a lot of stuff. I got to tell you, that might be how I should start introducing myself. I've done all the things in all the places. <laughs> it was like literally every single tournament, you know, it doesn't matter which one. Uh, and, and we're going to get to the current stuff, but I, I want to talk about you because I'm a big fan of, of what you've done and uh, the most exciting thing is it is like you mentioned I think on your website an unorthodox path to where you've gotten uh it wasn't pros to a post-retirement career right into journalism it was you being a good college tennis player essentially going conference USA to the big leagues by working your tail off and doing a, a little bit of everything yes definitely definitely a lot of hard work mixed in um but I remain very thankful I just feel like God has opened doors for me in the sport of tennis and as you know tennis is a small world which can be frustrating but can also be great because as soon as you sort of build a reputation for yourself as a hard worker who's going to do research and and hopefully knows their stuff that word in theory travels uh, and that's uh, been been great for me in the sport of tennis and I'm extremely thankful. Did you have a favorite uh, gig I should say or just tournament to be at job to do whether it was like the on-court stuff or one of the ones that I think is also really cool for the tennis nerds like myself the hall of fame getting to work there is there a specific role or event that you find your favorite? Uh, well, I don't, I, I don't know if I was if sending you EST <laughs> notes on that. I love Newport. Absolutely love it. And people are like, wait, so you're, really? That's your favorite tournament. But the combination of the grass court tennis after sort of grass court season has wrapped, I call it the unofficial end to, to grass court season or the official end, I guess I should say. Uh, but you get the, the fans love it. You're up close and personal to the tennis. And then you're, you also get to be there for the induction every year, which again, as you said, for the tennis nerds, it is the coolest thing ever. Um, and that's been one of my favorite sort of extracurricular job assignments has been doing their little museum minute segments. Uh, so I get to highlight different little bits from uh, different little artifacts from the museum, which has been so fun and educational. So I love it. There's so much to uncover about this sport and its history that even someone like yourself uh, that's been a fan and, and been playing it and teaching it with the instructional videos and whatnot, you just you walk the halls and I'm assuming it's, wow, I didn't even know this was a thing or this was possible. Many things I did not know yeah. were things um, yeah. until you get a chance to see them in the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Highly recommend if you've never made the trip to Newport, uh, anyone listening, it is 
the best money you'll spend if you're a tennis lover. I, I also appreciate the fact that you are, you know, a, a hustling journalist in the sense that you'll go to these events, you'll, you'll put in the time to to get the access and, and really follow. And that, that went with the Labor Cup this weekend, this past weekend in Boston. You made the trip out there. Um, same weekend as the Ryder Cup, too. So I thought that was cool. We had this, like, team competition in these sports that don't normally see it. But what was the... I guess, buzz like, for lack of a better word. It was in Boston, the Northeast. It doesn't have many tennis events, but has, you know, a, a thick history of sports fandom. What was the buzz like for the fans uh, walking the grounds at the matches, getting ready to watch such elite tennis? Sure. Well, just a little bit of context. So I've done one other Labor Cup. I did Chicago in 2018, and I was sort of more on the broadcast side. So I was a little further removed from what was happening in the hallways, in the locker rooms. Uh, in Boston, I was doing a combination of on-camera work for some of the event sponsors and also doing a lot, the majority of their Instagram stories. And so I, there, <laughs> where there was action, there was me trying not to look like a stalker behind the actual cameras with cell phone in hand. Oh. So I was extremely fortunate to get to see all the high points in Boston. We went to Fenway Park. We went to the Museum of Art, which is where the gala was held. Uh, we went to their these amazing parks. We saw Boston Common, the Cheers Pub. I mean, yeah. <laughs> literally all the check marks in Boston. I was sort of along for the ride and got to see those. The the buzz. I mean, you know, Boston, amazing sports town. I cannot describe the feeling I went out one night when there was so that first day session went over we had a couple of long yeah. matches and so there was sort of a, a, a traffic jam between the day session and the night session mm -hmm. the thousands of people in front going up the escalators with the huge labor cup sign above them it was so incredibly cool and it's not just the buzz in Boston I after doing Chicago I have told you know I get asked a lot you know what which tournament should I go to if I was going to go to one Honestly, Labor Cup, I've never experienced anything else like it in terms of the feeling that you have when you are inside yeah. the arena. It is that cool. Yeah, I think you combine the fact that it's something different. You're, you're bringing all the best players in the world on the men's side together to compete for a team. You're also doing it in cities that, you know, don't get to watch tennis live or don't, you know, don't get to have that feeling. So there's a lot of great tennis fans in Chicago and Boston, but they, you know, Chicago's had some events now, but you're also giving them a taste of something that they've only watched on TV. So I think that's part of it too. I just, I just want to read another quote here because it matters to the players too. John Isner tweeted out, I know they didn't do well in the labor cup, but he said something that every player on tour should, should aspire for. You can't repl replicate the atmosphere or camaraderie anywhere else. So I think part of the reason why this has been such a hit is the fans, as you mentioned, but also the players are 100% behind this and into this as well. Yeah, and and Steph Sitsipas just tweeted a couple of days ago. Somebody asked him what his favorite tournament was. He's like, Labor Cup, hands down. Uh, and, yeah. and listen, if I were a player, I would be thinking it's the greatest too. <laughs> I mean, you get picked up in the Team Europe and the Team World wrapped cars. You get delivered to the Ritz or the Four Seasons. You have this incredible gala. Every detail is taken care of for you. The un uniforms, the amazing team uh, lounge, the, the locker rooms are so cool. Your face is all over everything. So listen, if I were a player, I would also aspire <laughs> to be at the labor cup because it is in terms of 
experiences for a, a professional athlete on site at an event, it's not quite the red carpet that gets rolled out for you at other events on, on the tournament calendar. So, so there's, there are definitely a lot of perks for the players off the court, but you can see it. I mean, they genuinely care. They genuinely love it. Um, and in particular on that first day, I think back to Felix playing Matteo Berrettini, they're great friends, of course. Um, honestly, I, I thought Felix should have won that match. Um, but but yeah, Matteo Berrettini is a huge fighter and he fought, but the crowd, that that is, I feel like the other aspect of Labor Cup that was surprising to me because in Chicago, when you had Rafa and Roger, I did not expect for the world crowd to be cheering for you know Kevin Anderson over I believe Novak right. might have been there as well. I didn't I didn't expect that, but it there is there is an actual allegiance that the crowd has for their home team, which is very cool. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I do think the pomp and circumstance as you mentioned has helped this event. It's also given the players an opportunity to show their personality and you know there might be players like the Kyrioses or Sitsipas that already have shown a little bit of that before. But what stood out to me was the players that you don't normally see showing that side of them. Two in particular, and I, and I just want to get your thoughts on this. Diego Schwartzman was just a hit all week. Hilarious guy. I don't think many people realize that. But Rublev as well was somebody that, I don't want to say come out, has come out of his shell, but has been given an opportunity to just show how funny and uh, exciting he is, not just the Russian that hits a hard forehand and screams all the time. So I thought that was good as well. It was so cool. I will tell you, so a little background on... Uh, Andre Rublev for me personally. So 2019 was the first time I ever did anything specific with him. I think we might have done a couple of post-match interviews, but that was it. Uh, but I was told in 2019 in Cincinnati, hey, we need you to do a Q&A in one of the sponsor suites and the player is going to be Andre Rublev. And I was like, I don't know how that's going to translate in a really small room, probably with a lot of people, um, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Let me just tell you, he had the place rolling with laughter. I mean, he was entertaining. He was insightful. He had just beaten Roger Federer. Um, so it was, you know, a moment for him. But I left that Q&A, which again, those Q&As are, are, you know, you do them at every tournament and, and they're usually pretty casual and kind of throwaway sort of events. But he, I, I left and I was like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And I feel like that is sort of the moment that everyone else is collectively having with Rublev and maybe did have at Labor Cup because when it was his turn to hold the labor cup for the crowd at the end, when they were doing all the celebrations, he hoisted that thing louder applause for Andre Rublev than anyone else on team Europe. So I feel like uh, the, the consciousness we're, we're starting to get to the place where we can appreciate the fact that Rublev not only is fun to watch, not only can he play doubles, but he's got a great self-deprecating sense of humor, which is, and he's so down to earth behind the scenes too. I would say most guys are, are, are pretty friendly and most of them know me at least by sight and we'll do a hey or whatever for passing in the hallway. Andre, without fail, eye contact, hi there, always says, how are you? Um, so again, those are the things that are just nice um, yeah. and it's nice to see those guys do well. He also made quite the mess in the locker room with the champagne. I think he was the one going the craziest there, uh, which is understandable, but that, it was funny to see. Uh, the other thing, too, before we get into the actual uh, event and the result itself was, and I think you brought this to my attention, but good to see Macaron and Borg together uh, enjoying the camaraderie. Obviously, before they were doing battle against each other, 
but two of the the all-time greats of the game that genuinely uh, just enjoy each other's presence and uh, like to mix it up. So Borg was a little late to the party. Um, he His flight was scheduled to come in one day before he actually made it to Boston. Uh, all's well that ends well, he made it and it was great. But I happened to be there, you know, cell phone in hand recording for Insta stories. Uh, as Borg came onto the court and saw McEnroe who was out there supervising a practice for the first time, it was like they were little kids. Uh, I, I think John said that they hadn't seen each other in a couple of years, maybe since I, it's possible, the maybe one, since yeah. the last Davis Cup, yeah. And they were giggling, hugging, like nudging each other, like elbowing each other. It was, it really was. It was like we were, I was watching like two 17-year-olds. Uh, so they really do love each other. And there is, you know, McEnroe sort of made a big thing of, you know, if we don't win this year, this could be the end for me. But let's be honest, those two in and of themselves add a level of gravitas and entertainment to the event itself. So, I mean, I don't I don't have any official spoilers, but my guess is that McEnroe's job is secure, at least for a few more years. <laughs> Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Blair Henley here on Tennis Channel Inside In, uh, yeah, with Macaron Borg, especially attaching their names to the Laver Cup and, and Rod Laver having his voice attached to the, uh, the in and out calls as well was just a, a great level of detail for this event. Unfortunately, didn't go Team World's way. That's an understatement as well. Uh, only 1.1. The Team Europe had it wrapped up by the first match on Sunday, which was a record. They won every match on Saturday. I know there's two schools of thought that this is a competitive event. It's two sets and a super tie break, and anything can happen, especially with the doubles component. But Blair, I don't think we should be that surprised when a team has literally six of the top 10 players in the world and just a level of uh, competitiveness. A lot of young guys that are trying to still prove their place in the game that are hungry to establish themselves. I'm not surprised. I'm curious if you were that it was so one-sided with Team Europe. Not terribly surprised. I do think with the match tiebreaker or, or the labor breaker, as they were calling it, I, I feel like that maybe lends itself to a little more unpredictability in terms of results. Uh, but the one thing, I don't know if it was talked much about on the broadcast, because uh, I was courtside, so I wasn't actually hearing what the commentators were saying, but the courts the, or the court the court was was slow it was low bouncing and it was slow um or, or on the slower side i should say um so uh, unfortunately for <laughs> radio palka and john isner uh that their biggest weapon wasn't quite as effective as it might have been on another indoor court uh, so that did not help them either um part of me is thinking man who was on the who was on the home home team planning committee like guys a little less uh, sand on those courts for for the team world guys but yeah so that that didn't help them either I so to answer your question not surprised necessarily but you do with that format and also with doubles guys who've never played with one another before and who don't play a ton of doubles to begin with you do think that okay I mean on any given day 
those results could have been reversed. Roger Federer actually said after day one, I, <laughs> I filmed a little uh, Q&A that he and Andy Roddick did together. And Roger's like, I predicted Team World to be up 3-1 after day one. Uh, and Andy made a joke, of course. He's like, yeah, I mean, that just proves you know nothing about tennis. Uh, and a laugh was had by all. But but yeah, so I think I think the, the moral of what I'm trying to say here is that because of the, the team aspect and the scoring system, I kind of feel like anything can happen. And unfortunately, in each of those settings where anything could happen, they all fell toward yeah. the Europe side. You mentioned Berrettini, very impressed with his fight. That was the longest match, I think, in Labor Cup history. Could have gone either way. Like you said, it it went to uh, Team Europe, as they all did. I was impressed by Medvedev coming off of winning his first Grand Slam. Takes you know a, a long break for him over a week. It's like that's a crazy amount of time off. He didn't miss a beat. Everybody seemed locked in and engaged. Uh, and I think you know the double side could have gone different. We can get into whether a guy like Jack Jack Sox should have been playing with his Labor Cup record. Ultimately, it wouldn't have made a difference because they got beat the way they did. But the doubles component, when you don't have Blair, I think specific doubles players, you're just saying, all right, we're going to play doubles with great tennis players that don't have the experience. Anything can really happen. I think part of the part of the allure of this event is having the star players there. The doubles becomes more of a coin flip by nature when you don't have people that are specifically invested in playing in that. Yeah, I, I go both ways on this. Part of me would love to see like a Rajiv Rahm and Joe Salisbury, although I guess they'd be split on teams. But having some of yeah. these guys you see on tour, Bruno Suarez, Jamie Murray, again, oh, all these guys would be split with World that's and Europe. part of the word anyway. too, yeah. Exactly, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. So part of me would love to see some of the, the true doubles guys be part of the Labor Cup. On the other hand, I like seeing Andre Rublev play doubles with Stefano Tsitsipas. That is also entertaining to me in its own way because you're like, how is this going to go? Um, I like seeing, you know, Isder and Kyrgios playing together. So I go both ways. On one hand, I'm like, listen, if you've watched the, the double specialist play doubles at any tournament, it is some of the most entertaining tennis you'll see. Uh, on the flip side, I like sort of the unpredictability of what's gonna happen when you throw, mm -hmm. you know, X in with Y. I was also curious to see what Nick Kyrgios was going to bring. Sitsipas mentioned it, that it's kind of remarkable that a guy with, you know, his fitness not at the apex level, who hasn't played tennis, is still able to have a close match with the top five player in the world. Uh, he announced after the event that he's going to be taking time off. It came out today that it's his knee again, and he's going to be shutting down. Uh, he also made some cryptic comments that he's not mature if he's going to be playing in a Labor Cup again and how much longer tennis is going to be in the forefront. It's unfortunate, the short term with things going on in Australia, but just the long term of a guy like Kyrgios, who when he is invested, like he is in the Labor Cup, is very good for tennis. So it, it's it's a little sad, but I, I understand where he's at. It just hasn't been a great couple of years for him. And at the very least, Blair, I think we agree he needs to recharge and kind of gauge where his level's at. Yeah, you know, there just seems to be a little bit of a, I don't want to project, but again, just outside looking in, just a little bit of a, a sadness, the, mm -hmm. the spark and the fun that Curios shows when he's out on a tennis court, when he's playing well, um, I feel like that is maybe missing for him a little, even though we know that Labor Cup he loves more than any other event on the tennis calendar. Uh, and even then there was just a, a, just a little feeling of, he just seems a little bit down. And he said, you know, he's had, there has been some things behind the scenes 
Um, he's struggling with some things off court and fully support him taking the time he needs to, to get right mentally before he tries to get right physically or sort of in the midst of getting right physically. So, you know, I hope that, and he's not, I don't think he's the only Australian who is heading home and staying home for a while. And, you know, listen, let's hope he can plug in and, and recharge, as you said. I mean, we all wish him the best and everybody that's taken time off from tennis for a variety of reasons. But I think if there's one thing we know from the last couple of years, men or women's tennis, like the competition is so good that you can't be one foot in, one foot out and expect realistically good results. Even someone like Naomi Osaka, and she can take all the time she needs to, to get right. But when you come back, you have to be invested, ready to go. Because even number 50, number 60 in the world, who's been playing year round, it's not going to be easy to beat that person. Tennis is a brutal sport. I mean, bottom line, yeah, <laughs> tennis yeah. is just brutal. You have to be engaged every single day. Every day is a new story. You could have had your best match one day and stink the next day. Uh, tennis is just a tough sport. Uh, and so props to the people who do it week in and week out because it's it's a beating. We're both pro waiver cup here, so I'm going to ask this question in you know the most diplomatic way. There's been some talk about should the format change, should things be different. The first side of that that I want to address is the inclusion potentially of women in this event or potentially a separate event for them. Do you have a, a stance on that? Do you think it should be part of the Labor Cup, including women, or do you think they should have their own similar event? Because I think there's interest surely on both levels. Sure. Um, this is a, a multi-layered question, mm -hmm. Mitch. I, I think the first thing is, I don't feel like we can say Labor Cup should have women. Labor Cup was made by a group of people who made it a certain way, and it is that certain way. It just sort of is. It's not like they they planned one thing, it didn't work out, and they went with just men because they thought that was better. They just, that's the way they planned it, was to just be all men um, and to have it be, you know, sort of the, you know, the carrying on of, of Rod Laver's legacy. Uh, would I love to see women? Sure. Uh, but I don't think that there is a should uh, in my mind in terms of what Labor Cup, you know, should right. be going forward. Uh, I I would love to see something like this with women and better yet. And I, and I think 2022 Hopman Cup is supposed to come back. Uh, so again, anytime we can have mixed doubles, I am like all in. Uh, where do I sign up? Uh, mixed doubles is the best. I also think it'd be very cool to sort of see if you remember back to the, what was it? I, IPTL or ITPL? IPTL? Yeah, IPTL. Uh, yes. That, just even that bench interaction when you had both, you know, the women and the men competing together, I think that is so fun. I just don't necessarily think that Labor Cup should be the one to do it, if that makes sense. Yeah, IPTL, it starts off as an exhibition. The next thing you know, it's Federer and Djokovic playing like a legit set out there. Uh, now, I agree. I think they should have their own uh, event that's unique. I mean, there's a Billie Jean King Cup that's the rebranded Fed Cup, but I think that there's a way to have an event. I think everybody on the female tour, the tennis players, they love what the Labor Cup is and they want to be a part of it. I think there's a, an avenue to create a women-specific tournament and really get everybody going there as well. As far as the current format as is, do you think they're should be maybe some retooling. I know the big talk was, is Russia really part of Europe or not? And there's that. But, uh, or, or do you just think it, it is the way it is and uh, eventually over time, world will break through? I, I am a, I'm an it is the way it is okay. person, I think. I, I think I fall into that camp. And I, listen, work a little harder, team world. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Talk, yeah. they, they put it all out on the line. But I do, 
in in some ways i feel like that narrative is world going to do is this going to be the year world does it i think that's kind of interesting in its own way um and who knows who in the next few years what you know felix is still so young most of that team is so young uh so i i definitely don't think it's team europe's gonna win forever and that's a given so i i think it's kind of fun to see if if team world can figure it out i think that's part of the interest to me some young players that might make their way through i agree i think regardless of the one-sided defeat it was a fun event Good to see, as you mentioned, Roger Federer, Andy Roddick, and Monica Sellis there as well, who yes. I, I just, I encourage all young people to, to look up her because it's very hard to state just how good she was. She's kind of like the Bjorn Borg of her generation. Um, I think it was eight slams before she turned 20 or something like that. Just, just look up Monica Sellis for the young youth out there. There you go. Well, interestingly, I learned at Labor Cup at the gala, uh, Tony Godsick, Roger's agent, stood up and, and spoke. And he said that Monica was there as his guest uh, in part because Monica was the one who had sort of pointed him in Roger's direction or had introduced him to Roger. Uh, So that was kind of a cool little piece of the backstory that I did not know going in. So I think uh, (laughs) maybe as Tony said, he's like, I owe a lot. I owe a lot to Monica Sellis. That's that's a lot of dinners. That's for sure for that one. That That is great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, more with Blair Henley here on Tennis Channel Inside In. A couple more things outside of the Labor Cup I wanted to get your opinion on. Indian Wells on the horizon. Some players in for this fall, unique uh, the timing of the event. Some players out. Unfortunately, there's not going to be Naomi Osaka. There's not going to be Serena Williams. And now no Ash Barty. That last name, Barty, not playing. Unfortunate but understandable. Has been on the road since Miami, living out of a suitcase and, and is probably going to go back home and miss the WTA finals now being held in Guadalajara. It, it does sting that Barty's not going to be there, but again, a player that needs to recharge and, you know, has bigger things on the horizon, but uh, I'm going to feel it not having her at this event where the world's just kind of getting to know and getting to love Ash Barty these last couple of years. I know. Well, I think if there's one thing the U S open has taught us in particular on the women's side is we love having our big names, but tennis is going to be just fine. And the tennis is going to be compelling. And there are a whole lot of personalities and great game styles and fun players to watch on down the line. Uh, I, it's just, I mean, it's been the story of the women's game for the past several years. It's just how insanely deep it is. And, uh, but I do think it was nice to see the final between Layla Fernandez and Emma Raducanu and to have sort of like our, uh, the inside tennis people, I feel like knew the value of that. I feel like seeing that and seeing the packed Arthur Ashe Stadium for that women's final was was sort of the world's sort of understanding or or the tennis fans at large, the people who are sort of outside that inner ring who (laughs) were saying, oh, yeah, well, this is this is fun. And, you know, the two stars were born and that was really cool in itself. 
Roderick Kanye, you mentioned she's going to be at Indian Wells getting a wild card, which is hilarious to think about that the U.S. Open champ needed a wild card because she just hasn't played <laughs> played these events. Uh, you know, in, in Roderick Kanye, I wanted to get your take on something else. You win a Grand Slam, expectations are going to mount. She's become the it girl in tennis and for a lot of reasons. Great British are, are hitching their wagons to her, deservedly so. You wonder if we're pushing too much too soon. It's tough when your life changes when you win a Grand Slam. But on the other hand, Blair, even through qualifying all the way through, it didn't look like a fluke. It didn't look like this was a flash in the pan. She didn't lose a set and won very convincingly. So what should realistic expectations be for 18-year-old Emma Raducanu? I think the realistic expectation should be she's going to take one match at a time. Um, and I think that should be her, <laughs> her expectation. And I do think, I mean, if, if what she says out loud is to be believed, I think she is sort of taking it literally one match at a time. And I think she is going in with the understanding that she's doing all of this for the first time. And so I do think she's giving herself a little bit of leeway. I think that we should be doing that for her as well. Uh, just in the back of our minds, remember, she's so young. This is all brand new to her. Um, and it's brand new to her with people, I'm sure, in Indian Wells are going to be peering over the side of her practice court. I'm sure there are going to be people lined up around the block for autographs, uh, if, if that's allowed in Indian Wells, which it, it may not be. But selfies, whatever it is, I, I think that we just have to keep in mind of what, what the actual scenario is here, because it is so wild. That, that, that a player could even be in this scenario. Um, so I think we should check ourselves for sure. Yeah, there's still a lot, of, uh, a lot of miles on her tennis journey left, even though it started out with the greatest success possible. Uh, the rest of the field looks pretty good, Blair, and I'm just more curious what a fall Indian Wells is going to look like. Do you expect it to be a little different? Do you think the conditions will line up? It's still tennis paradise, but you know, just a little different this year. I, 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 that's a great question, Mitch. I have no idea. I'm actually pulling up my phone right now because I want to see what, um, on my phone, not, I have every, uh, every city that I travel uh, the to. Weather, to yeah. so let's see. So Indian Wells next week, still highs in the nineties. So I don't, I don't foresee it being that much different in terms of conditions, but, but it is different in terms terms of the mileage on the players at this point in the year. Usually players are fresh at Indian Wells. They are, we're now toward the end of the season, so less fresh. Um, I think that is probably the biggest factor to me in terms of, of how things will play out. I am so sad I'm not personally going to be there this year. Decided to take some time home with the kids after a crazy September for me, but um, I'll be watching from afar and I'll be very interested. Early in the year, you're building towards something. You're trying to set your year up. This is the the tail end. Um, no, it's true. And I just remember the first time I went there, not understanding the temperature drop that desert night. So, uh, you know, go from sweating and then you're freezing within a couple hours. So we'll see if that that evening, you know, if some wind gets going, if that's going to change. But it's still going to be tennis paradise. So we have that. We do. I, if I were there, even in the spring, I bring my puffer jackets. No joke. It, it is like I'm in tank tops yeah. and that my puffer jacket is hanging yeah. over the back of my chair so I can throw it on. Yeah, I, was a, I was a rookie at first and didn't realize all that. So I paid the price that first trip. Uh, last thing, Blair, and this has been a joy chatting with you. We mentioned the WTA finals in Guadalajara. 
you know, a lot of the tennis calendar is still affected by COVID, specifically the women's side. There's the events in Chicago, a 500 this week. The men have the new event, 250 in San Diego. I've just been very impressed with the players, the organizations, the people behind the scenes that really fought to keep this tennis schedule, this tennis train, if you will, going because it wasn't easy. It could have been tough for a lot of players in that middle ranking realm, I should say, to continue to make a living and make money. But hats off to the people behind the scenes for making this happen for the players committed to finishing out a year in in unconventional methods and, and new tournaments. Yeah, I sure would not have wanted to be a decision maker over the past year and a half. I was glad I could just send an email and be like, do you need me? Uh, because I just didn't, I just don't envy those people who had to to make decisions who and who are still having to make decisions. I will say um, I still feel for sort of the level just below what you're talking about. I love that we're seeing tennis in Chicago and San Diego. I saw the stands packed yeah. in San Diego last night, which is so cool, um, which is why I feel like it, it'd be great if tennis could sort of diversify a little bit in terms of location. Uh, I know that's easier said than done, but it's, uh, and I'm going to butcher this, but I believe at the challenger level, at least on the men's side, I should look into it more on the women's side, but I think there were only like two American challengers uh, through the end of the year. Uh, Again, I I need to go fact check that, but I believe that's what I was hearing from some of the challenger guys. And and that, those are the guys, uh, you know, on the men's side, and of course the the women are, are in a similar boat those are the ones I feel for because they really have the rungs on the ladder up the rankings have been missing uh, for a lot of those sort of middle ground players. And so shout out to them, hang in there. Uh, Cause I know it can't have been easy. Well, we're just happy that we still have some tennis to look forward to this year. Indian Wells, Guadalajara for the women. Uh, there's a lot of men's events left as well. Blair, this was a blast talking to you. Uh, like I said, I'm a huge fan. Uh, we'll follow you uh, at different tournaments. Uh, upset you're not going to be at Indian Wells, but when I do go to the Tennis Hall of Fame, I'm going to be texting you for recommendations. So make sure your phone's on and you're ready. <laughs> Please do. I can point you in the direction of the Kendall, uh, Helen Holt Jacob shorts. Um, I can, yes, I have, I have lots of inside scoop for you in the International Tennis Hall of Fame, Mitch. Thanks. This was a pleasure. Laura Henley, thank you for joining Tennis Channel Inside In. Uh, hope to do this again in the future. Yes, please. See you soon. That was Blair Henley on Tennis Channel Inside In. We're on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com for all of our episodes as well as the other shows there. We'll be back next week to talk more tennis. Live out of the Santa Monica studios, I'm Mitch Michaels. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll see you next week.